Here we go. We're going to see how this goes. I get to see into the hearts of, of coaches and athletes yes. so quickly. We can have this adrenaline rush in the moment and still be the image bearers of Christ that we are called to be. My passion is for the life of Christ to be lived out through me. I mean, Seth turned a little red when he was talking. It was really, really good. I get really excited. We want to find an easier time. We want to find a better time. And it's never going to appear. The best time is now. Zach, you're dropping proverbs on us, man. My work as coach is a minister of the gospel. Man, I am looking forward to more conversations around this. You guys are the best. All right, welcome back to the Competing Biblically podcast. Nick, Zach, and a host of others around us. Um, today, we've been sitting here goofing off for a while. So now we finally are, are recording, but how are you guys doing today? The mics are hot, so we're great. It's been a great great day, great couple of weeks. I love it when our intern crew gets here and we get kind of in a groove doing stuff together, and then it's been fun talking through these topics. We went on a hike yesterday or two days ago. Uh, so it was fun kind of digesting some of this stuff reading we're reading through the handbook of to athletic perfection our handbook on athletic perfection uh, right now as a group and it's been really great kind of in a different way of articulating the philosophy so mm-hmm. uh, excited for what we're going to talk about today yeah the closer we come to camps the more like butterflies I get in my stomach and not of like nervousness but like of excitement of and we have like we have camping uh in a week and then we start our summer off with a golf tournament which is going to be incredible but then we have four weeks of camp and camps in a row and it is a straight sprint and i just like the every day that comes closer it's just like more and more excitement building up of completing administrative stuff like we just finished up our camp curriculums for our power camps like the more we finish this stuff the more my legs want to start churning of being able to run around with kids and be able to share the gospel with people. But yeah, happy with where we're at with all the interns and where we're at getting stuff done, but no excited to be back on here with you guys. Yeah. I know like, um, especially after last year, I still, I feel like I'm still almost in this place. So this is actually happening. Like we're going to do this again. I'm with you. So I'm really excited looking at what's ahead it's daunting, but it's also like such a blessing that we're able to like, I'm going to try my hardest not to complain once about being busy this year. After last year, I will take it a hundred times fold. Amen. So. Amen. Which ironically enough, so kind of we're getting ready for the summer or we're kind of in summer already. I was joking with a, with a parent this morning of campers that like once we get to Memorial Day weekend, which is when our summer or the week before Memorial Day is when our interns report. It's like everything else is, it's just summer for us. So I have a hard time remembering, wait, are kids still in school? Are they out of school? Because I've just flipped over to summer mm-hmm. mode, which this summer is going to be a little different because now we, we've been working on this philosophy. We've been, we've been talking about this stuff. And again, so the, the Competing Biblically podcast is about the integration of, of faith and sport or move it to wherever wherever you are living the majority of your life, the intersection of faith and or the inner of faith and life 
So the same thing for camps is that we want to integrate this philosophy that we're talking about here that we've talked about in, in our intern uh, meetings and we have on this podcast. We want to integrate our faith in this way through this construct into our camp setting. I know we've been mm-hmm. talking about team stuff, but now we want to take that and apply that to our camps. So today we're going to be talking a little bit about the weak versus the strong. Yeah, even looking at our camps, how can we use, how can we look into serve that fourth channel of blessing? Janitors, people that actually don't, that aren't a part of our camp, how can we leverage us being in their world to bring blessing and to bring an opportunity to shine the light or to share the love of Christ? with people uh, around us yeah yeah and and before we hop in today just want to just remind and encourage you guys follow our social media we've worked hard like i think i said this last week but i feel like it took us a couple months and now we're kind we're kind of figuring out what we're doing i wouldn't say we have our hands all the way around it yet but like we're, we're figuring it out and so we decided to to put a little more effort and time into what we're doing and we have Instagram and Facebook for you guys to follow on, as well as YouTube. So you can catch our episodes on YouTube. You can also catch our episodes on IGTV. And you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram to just to know what's going on. We're going to try and do some... As we gain more followers, we're going to try and do some more cool things on there. So it would be great to have you on. And it's a great place for you to give us your feedback. And like I said last week, participate with us. Let us know what you're thinking. Let us know how you've used it. Let us know if you have, you know, an opinion that might be a little bit different than something we've been sharing. We want to have, you know, a good dialogue here and and where we can all sharpen one another. So yeah, go do that. Yeah. And be on the lookout. Uh, We have a, we have a website, which is, it's at DelawareFCA.org backslash compete our podcast. Yeah. So be on the look there. We're actually taking this material from the podcast per request of our guest who's going to be on the episode next week um, or in either next week or two weeks, depending on how many we record today. Blair McGinnis from New Jersey, who's a huddle coach and coach um, up in New Jersey, I think at North Hunterdon High School. He is going to be on the podcast and he requested like, hey, this material is great, but how can I use it with my huddle? Mm-hmm. So we're going back through the podcast, going back through the framework and we're going to be creating uh, seven to ten minute videos with Bible study and huddle curriculum to go along with so that you can go through this devotionally yourself, learn and grow that way, or you can take others on the journey with you, whether it's a coach's huddle um, or athlete's huddle or all campus huddle, that you guys can take this stuff and actually you can actually start to, to listen to it and interact with it and apply it. So be on the lookout for that stuff. And I think, Seth, as we've tried to figure out what we're doing with this podcast I think we weren't sure at the beginning, is this just a COVID thing? Like, was just mm-hmm. was this just something that was going to be a blessing during COVID to be able to put some content out there? And we're realizing, like, this has, I think, some, some legs to stand on and, and some importance in the world around us. And definitely was reminded about that this week. So Seth and I went away to South Dakota and, I forget about and out That's to crazy. Iowa and over. Uh, Seth broke me into dirt track racing over in Worthington. Minnesota, so shout out to Worthington Speedway. Appreciate your hospitality hosting us. The the great celebrities that we are that you didn't know that we were there, but we're grateful <laughs> we're grateful to have been there. But we went out to to spend some time with, with Scotty Kessler and some other guys that are living out this philosophy and it just reminded me how much it is needed because it's different than the rest of the way the rest of the world is doing it. So today's episode is the week over the strong. So again, the overarching theme is people over productivity. Last week, we talked about the, valuing the inside person over the outside person. 
Today, we are moving forward in the people over productivity, a part of the overs to the weak over the strong. So in our culture today, it's, it's set up that you value those of strength. You value those who can help you. You value those who are the star player. You value those uh, who the world would say are valuable. And we forget about those who do not have value. So we're going to look at the scripture a little bit and see where the Bible tells us to go and then make some application from sport today. So I'll kick it over to Zach if you want to get us those two verses from Leviticus 23-22. Yeah, don't read the wrong verse, Zach. 23-22. <laughs> we had some mis- mishaps, um, so we won't tell you what those are, but poke around those chapters. There's some interesting, <laughs> interesting things that are going on, to say the least. But yeah, we'll look at Leviticus, which I think is probably the first time on the podcast we dove into Leviticus. And then we're going to go over to James one twenty seven to look at a little bit of what the Old Testament's saying and what the New Testament is saying about this idea of valuing the weak over the strong. So Leviticus 23, 20, 22 says, And when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge, nor shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. James one. 27 says religion that is pure and undefiled before god the father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world appreciate it zach yeah so a little look at the old testament from the old testament how the law was set up um and a little look from the new testament kind of the law applied through Christ, how they've, they viewed the poor, the powerless. It's kind of the categories we usually put that in. I wanted to clarify something from the intro. Yeah, we value, typically the world, we value people who the world views as, as adding value. And those who can't add value to us, we devalue. Everyone has value. Everyone was created in the image of God. But through the lens of the world, through the lens of the flesh, through the lens of the enemy, the human imago Dei, in the image of God has been distorted, and we we rank people and we classify people depending on what we can get get from them. So you see, in this Old Testament, the whole idea was like for there's a Old Testament command to be mindful of the poor. I think we talked about this last week or two weeks ago, but like this is there's an intentionality. Mm-hmm. There's an intentionality to this. It's not just like responsive, but he's saying to be, the Lord is saying to be intentional. Like don't, don't glean from your field right up to the edge, but leave room. Mm-hmm. Like don't harvest everything. Leave some for those who don't have any. Be mindful of the poor. And you see this played out. I mean, the book of the Bible that you, that this principle you see played out, played out the most clearly is in the book of Ruth. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, which I mean ends up being in the line of Jesus, which is kind of cool. But like Jesus's Jesus's ancestors were served; his lineage, his family line, was served by this principle that God had put in place. Mm-hmm. That when she came to ask to glean, there were already women gleaning, and he said, "Do not impede her." Boaz mm-hmm. said, "Do not impede her. Let let them glean." But that was actually like a part of the of the law was that they were to be mindful of the poor. And then you see, in, in obviously in James, like pure religion is this, to meet the orphan and the widow in their need, in their affliction. These people, like orphans and widows, especially widows back then, like they didn't hold a lot of, uh, they, they couldn't help anyone. 
They could barely help themselves. I mean, really, they couldn't even help themselves, widows and, and orphans. They had no way to provide for themselves. And that's what, in, in the kingdom ethic, as we look to apply this to sport, God is saying to be mindful of these people. Go out of your way to bless them. Go out of your way to provide for them. And this is like the heart, pure religion, of what Jesus has come to redeem in this life, but then also in the kingdom to come. Mm-hmm. I think things are going to be, well, I know things are going to be very different in the, in the, than the kingdom that is to come. But it's a kingdom ethic, an upside-down, looks like our friends in Seattle, they call this upside-down sports. Yeah. So we look to apply this to sport. It's an upside-down way of thinking. Mm-hmm. The first will be last, and the last will be first. Yeah, I, th- I think when we when we apply this to the sport context, it might help if we clarify possibly, like, who are when we think about the poor and the powerless, those that can't help themselves, those who we may help who can't help us in return, who are those people in our context? I think that might be when we start talking about how do we live this out in the world that in the realm that we live in, talking about practice and games and training and whatever you do in the off season, who are those people? Uh, yeah, I think especially just like as Nick, as you were talking about people that we see that can't bring anything to us, like just coming off of a season of college across, like, man, injured players come to my mind immediately. Someone potentially was able to, but now because of whatever uh, injury they have sustained are unable to help the team in any, in any way physically on the field. And then second of that is academically ineligible. So in college like if you don't have a certain gpa you are not allowed to play any sports and so for the entire season you have to show up to practice and you are you aren't able to play in any games so you can still be on the field for practice but are unable to bring any worth any value to a game scenario so these these two classes of people come to my head immediately when we talk about people that don't have value don't bring value to the team because they're unable to perform or unable to play on game days so i remember my one of my first years playing and this is not politically correct it's this is literally the name of what the league was called it was called midget football Mm -hmm. um so not i don't know if it's still called that i think it is okay but this was midget football in in central pennsylvania when I was eight years old, I was like 103 pounds and was forced to play on the B team. So there's A was the highest team, B was the next highest, C, and then D. All my friends were playing D, like in the lightest weight class. Everything was by weight. So I'm eight years old, and I'm playing with kids that are in fifth and sixth grade. <laughs> so I'm in seventh grade. And these are the kids that I'm playing with. Like I am, I'm eight years old. And kids have hit puberty and have like hair under their armpits and stuff. <laughs> Maybe we should cut that out. That's super weird. <laughs> I'm like, well, I mean, okay. yeah. so, so I distinctly, I distinctly have the memory though of being at football practice, going to football practice, a kid not like having like a cutoff shirt under his jersey, and like looking and be like, Yo, bro, you have hair in your armpits. <laughs> like, what is going on here? And I'm eight years old, nine years old. So when I was like, I think when I was like nine or 10, our team was really good. Mm-hmm. But I'm 10 years old playing with kids that have hit puberty. It doesn't matter that I'm 110 pounds. Like I'm a roly poly 10 year old. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I remember our team, so our team went the whole way and we won the Red Rose Championship, which is like for all of Lancaster County, we were the champions. And I remember wearing my shirt to school, my championship shirt to school. I was in fourth grade. So I was like 10 years old. Fourth grade, wear my sh- I wear my shirt to school. And one of the kids in my class, his brother, <laughs> who was a sixth or seventh grader, was on my team. And this fourth grade kid's in my class. And he's like, you didn't even play. Why are you wearing that shirt? And I remember feeling crushed because I was so excited to wear that shirt to school. Mm-hmm. I was so excited to be a part of that team. And immediately I got devalued. And I remember going home and telling my dad. And my dad was like, well, that's nonsense. Like, that that's nonsense. That doesn't make sense. He's like, you practiced. You played a bunch of minutes. And the only reason we played a bunch of minutes because there was a rule in our league that once you're over 18, like when you're beating somebody by 18 points, you have to put backups in. Mm-hmm. So I played a lot that season because we were really good. And I was the second team center um, for a team of, of guys that were really older than me, that were mature physically. And my, my dad told me that. It added this value to my life where I got like a little bit of joy and hope back that like, man, you know what? I, I am a part of this. I practice really hard. Me practicing helped make them better. Me being on like being able to play in all these games, like we were really well rested. Like because I got to play, our starters got to rest and we had more energy they had more energy because they didn't spend it all in all the games previous. And I remember telling that to these kids and they like just made fun of me. <laughs> they made fun of me more because it's like, oh yeah, that's just what you, your dad said because he's your dad and he wants you to feel good. Imagine what it feels like. I mean, I, yes and amen to the categories that we gave so far, but also, what is it like to be that kid? We talked about this a couple weeks ago. The kid that whose jersey is never dirty because he doesn't get in the games. Mm-hmm. The last man on the bench. The last girl on the bench. We talked about that principle of like whether whether you are playing every minute or on the sidelines looking in. When you leave a game, you should be exhausted from playing or playing through. Mm-hmm. From either being the one playing in the game or on the sidelines cheering, going nuts and playing through your teammates who are on the court. And being valued and encouraged enough. I mean, can you imagine that kid like really buying in that that is actually what we believe? That that's actually what your team values? Is I'm as much a part of this thing as the kid who scored 20 touchdowns. And there was a kid running back on our team. His name was Ryan Finger. Incredible athlete. Incredible basketball player. Went on to play in college. And I think maybe even a little bit overseas. But he was an incredible athlete. And I was this roly-poly 10-year-old. But that we were both had the same amount of value in the eyes of the Lord. And had the same amount of value of our teammates. What if we thought differently? What if that was like the, the community? What would it be like to be in that community? Yeah, you're talking about an opportunity again. This easily could be called the missional sports podcast, but we went with competing biblically. Like, if I'm a kid who doesn't know the Lord and I get embraced in that type of way and I have nothing to offer, hello, that's the gospel. Mm-hmm. The gospel is that we have nothing to offer yet Jesus gives us everything. Yeah. What if we led like that in sport? Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, I agree, and I I loved all those things that. That you guys shared, Zach. I, it really stuck out to me because I think a lot. I think a lot of us, our first thought goes to people who don't play, players who don't play. Maybe the weakest, you know, few players on the team. But I like what you shared about the injured players because how how often does it happen where they're no more utility to the team? And yeah, people might check in the first couple of days they're injured. But like we had two ACL tears on our team this mm. season. And actually, I'm glad you said that because it reminded me that I need to give a one of the players a call because I haven't called them in a couple weeks. Um, but like how many times 
does that player, you know, they might show up to practice a couple times, but then they're pretty much just left. They might be asked how their injury is going, um, how their recovery is going every once in a while, but how often are they really invested into, you know, if they're at practice and the team is practicing, how often does someone step aside and just ask them how they're doing, how their injury, how their recovery is going, how they're dealing with it personally, because if they're a competitive person, losing that for whatever period of time is a big loss to them. And it's a, and if you view yourself as an ambassador for Christ, like we've been talking about, that is not only a responsibility, but it's also a great opportunity to walk alongside somebody. And not. And I talked about this to one of our players who's injured this year, not just wait and work and work and work just to get back to play and just waiting this game till you can go back to play again, but God wants to use this time to still train you up and make you better. This is a valuable time for you to go through, not just waiting and recovering until you can play again. Amen. So, so I like that, that you shared that because that actually wasn't even on my mind. But um, so we, we've labeled the people. I think it'd be helpful if we went into how maybe individually, before we go through, go to a whole team, because I'd like to talk about how we can set that kind of culture on our team, but also as a coach or an athlete, how can we individually value the week? Title of this is challenging because it's not just valuing the week. Some, like we always value the strong, we also need to include the weak, but it's valuing the weak over the strong, which is what we see a lot through the life of Jesus as well. So yeah, how, how do we do that and live that out as individuals on a team? Yeah, well, we talked about just that idea of the example that Jesus put in front of us of him washing his disciples' feet. Mm-hmm. He led as a servant leader. That's the beautiful thing about being in Christ. I think we talked about this way back when we went through the four channels. I remember that interaction where I gave that team a Gatorade and the guy's like, well, like, what are you doing this for? Like, I literally have everything that I need. So individually, how do I value someone over me? It's the thought that I really have nothing. I have nothing and I have everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Jesus has given me everything. So out of an abundance of everything, I'm free to give everything. Mm-hmm. And know that I still have an inexhaustible amount of riches yeah. in Christ Jesus. Yeah. So I can I can lay myself down because I know that He's gonna He's gonna take me up. Mm-hmm. And the beauty is if that if that's a if you can get into a context where that's what everybody's doing, then you're if you get a whole team to think like that, then you don't have to worry about yourself because it's not my job. Yeah. Seth's thinking about me. AJ's thinking about me. Cakes is thinking about me. Sophia, Joey, Shay, Cindy, Bob, like the whole Nikki, Steve, like the whole team, Dan, they're all thinking about me. So I'm free to not have to think about myself. Yeah. Lindsay, kind of throw her in the mix. <laughs> Caleb, Sojourn, all year and a couple months of her, her life. But if like, if all those folks are thinking about me and one another, I'm free to not have to think about myself. Mm-hmm. So I think it's understanding the understanding the gospel, understanding yeah. who I am in Christ. And you see, Jesus didn't need to he didn't need to wash their feet, but he decided to lead in that way of serving. That he did not count kind of well, so Seth, I'm sorry, but Philippians two did not count equality. <laughs> I knew it had to come in at some point. Did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but instead emptied himself. Mm-hmm. But instead, we like to think about how can we have as much as we can possibly have. Yeah. So to, to disadvantage ourselves, to advantage the disadvantaged, um, 
it's a hard concept, and we see it all over our, our world today being lived out uh, and not lived out. Yeah, yeah. One thing that struck me, Nick, as you began speaking, was we, in order to value the weak over the strong, we try in our in our worlds, and this definitely happens on a team. It might not happen on some really high functioning teams and selfless teams, but we try and find an, our place on the team. And if we're on the core or more, you know, those who would be viewed as strong or, or better or the core of the team, we try and find our identity there. And there might be those that serve the team or have a lower status on the team. And if you want to value the weak over the strong, you have to be willing to be viewed as one of the weak. You don't, I mean, mm. you have, you have to be secure in who you are and the That's way that good. God has gifted you. Um, look at, I mean, cause what comes to mind is you look at Jesus, the Pharisees asked, why does this man hang out with tax collectors and prostitutes? And he was a, like that, that didn't rank in their mind because if he's claiming to be the Messiah, why would he put himself there? It's the same thing. Like when the disciples ask, I mean, when, Jesus washed the disciples' feet, um, which Peter says, you'll never wash my feet. Why? Because that's not supposed to be the way it works. But like, if we want to really serve, if you are, say, you're a starter or you get a lot of minutes and you're in, you have to be willing to be viewed as one of the weak because you have to associate yourself on some level with them, hang out, give them your time, serve them. Um, and that might change the way people view and you have to be willing to lay that down uh, in order to to really value the weak over the strong yeah and the biblical ethic would say like if if you humble yourself you'll be exalted but if you exalt yourself you will be humiliated i mean i as you were sharing that example of the pharisees i think of the pharisee and the tax collector luke 18 two men went up to pray one said thank god i'm not like this man he was playing the comparison game like that's that's one of the biggest pitfalls that we have in life is looking around and comparing ourselves to others instead of comparing ourselves to the Lord. As he was looked around, he said, "Thank God, I'm not like this man. I'm not like this guy who has been stealing from his people." And he had a, like, in some senses, in the world's eyes, he had a right to do that. The world would would say that's fine, but instead, he went up and said that, gave a pretty eloquent prayer. I mean, you look at it; there's nothing heretical, but his heart was so haughty. Of, thank God I'm not like this guy. And the, the tax collector goes up and just beat his chest and says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Mm-hmm. He viewed himself correctly. It's, it's huge. Like, Seth, that's huge what you're saying. Like, he viewed himself correctly, and he walked away justified. So for us to promote ourselves, yeah, that's, step, that's step one is to get out of the way that, like, I think part of not my will but yours be done is laying, the laying down of our rights. The things we talked about in that uni- unity versus disunity, just being able to say, you know what, I don't have to be right here. Being able to say, you know what, I'm not anyone special, even though I think I am. Lord, help me not to view myself more. I mean, that's, again, that's Bible. Like, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Yeah, and I think like that mindset plays directly into how we apply this idea of valuing the weak over the strong. It's like realizing that nothing that we have to offer is going to be good enough for God. That is the mindset that we come into in being a Christian. We, our best sacrifices, our best offerings, our best actions are viewed as filthy rags to what God has done and what God would accept from us. And so knowing that, 
we have to take that same mentality to sport of like my best playing is still not that great. There's still people better than me. It's like realizing that like, man, there's always going to be somebody better. But then also taking that mentality of like, man, you, you could very well be the best one on your team. But at some point you weren't. Mm. At some point you weren't good. Realizing that mentality. And I know we've talked about it on it before um, when we first started in some of our first episodes. But man, being willing to serve, knowing freshmen do all this work, or like knowing freshmen put on, in all this extra time getting you guys water, setting up the field. Like, man, what a great way to value those we consider weak, to value freshmen who probably don't start, probably don't get a lot of playing time, especially if you have an older team, well-established team, going out of your way to serve the people who we value at less on the team. And then the other thing that comes to my mind is we talk about people starting. And Seth, I liked what you said about like on every team I've been on, there has been and I've been on both sides of being a core part of the team or not being a core part of the team and being on the outskirts. If you are a core part of that team, like great job. You had to put in some playing time and put in a lot of effort to get there, but using that position to be able to sacrifice some of that practice time to be able to work and help these guys work that are left on the outskirts. I think one of the best things that we can do in a practice tangibly best thing that i've seen happen is split up starters into different groups with Mm non-starters i think a lot of times when we get into practice we put all the starters on one squad and we're like all right you guys are going to practice this and then we put in all the backups and like all right you guys practice this how are the people who aren't playing going to learn from that if they're not playing with people who know what they're doing and so being able to and I happen, I did this this season because of what we've been talking about, because of Nick and Seth and you guys pouring into my life. I was able to see myself and see them in the way that I'm supposed to so that when we'd break up into groups, I would intentionally put myself with the people who weren't starting because like the starters know what they're doing. They don't need more help. Like it's mm. not helping anybody for me to be there. But like, man, these guys are young guys, guys that come from a a terrible program like I came from that didn't get a lot of coaching, didn't get a lot of training, need the extra coaching, need the extra help. I was able to do that because of what you guys have said. And like, man, that is some of the best things I've had. The guys that I talk to are so appreciative because they don't get that Mm -hmm. because everyone's focused on the starters. They're focused about, man, this guy's going to cover this guy during the game. It's like, as soon as that guy leaves, we're going to have to replace them with the other people that we have on our team. And we see this in the world standards. We see this idea of it's given, it's put out there, not practice a lot, but like, man, you're only as strong as your weakest link. Yeah. We, we talk about that a lot, but there's very little teams and very little programs that actually put in the effort to strengthening that weakest link. That I, I think that is the core of what we're called to do on a team. Yeah. Winning is a byproduct. It's not the goal. Success is a byproduct, can be a byproduct of this. It's not always guaranteed, but I mean, I watching you play this year, like you played at a different level. I mean, to the point where you were recognized for it. You I mean, you've were second team all conference and you val- you fought to value and I know you I know you didn't do it perfectly. But you fought to value people over 
over what you could get out of practice that you by giving by teaching you actually mastered it better like you played with freedom and intensity and joy and in great technical position like you always just seemed to be in more often than not you were in the right spots doing the right thing because you were te- I think I mean tangibly I think it is a, a byproduct yeah. it's not why but because mm-hmm. you were teaching others yep so it helped you to master it even better and uh, my final thought on today's episode before I kick it back over to Seth is just so how can you cultivate coach how can you cultivate this on your on your team uh, athletic directors how can you cultivate this in your program Christian school coach how can you take the lead and do this it starts by serving like I don't know if, if your teams have done this or not. But in the off season or in preseason, get out of your comfort zone. Get out of yeah. sport. I and mean, some of my favorite stories on ESPN are like those spotlights where a middle school football team adopts a kid who has has something going on, like a, a kid who's socially awkward, has some has some issues, doesn't have a lot of friends, that's sitting by himself in the cafeteria, and they say, "No, no, no, he's our guy." It doesn't benefit them anything in the world's eyes to do that, but like. And they adopt that kid in or the make-a-wish stuff. Like those who are truly in need to meet them in their affliction and to go and to serve them as a team. Here's the thing, newsflash. We are wired to do evil. Yeah. We're wild. We're, we, are, we are wired. We're wild too. <laughs> but we're wired to take care of ourselves first. So to, to lead our team into thinking differently of, no, we're going to go and serve people who can't help us. Not because we're great, but because because we want we want them to know that people see them, and ultimately from the Christian perspective, we want them to know that God sees them, yeah, and values them and loves them, and we need to take a we need to take a bite of, of humble pie. I think it might have been one of our camp singers who has some shirts, some humble these humble pie shirts was like, either eat a dosa, either eat a slice of humble pie, or you will be humiliated eventually. Mm-hmm. So it's healthy for us to just get to take a step out and be like, okay, man, we have a lot. Yeah, and there's something we can we can invest here. We can help here. Yeah, uh, to get out of your bubble and to, to serve, to lead by serving. Coach, it's one of the best things you can do for your athletes. If you don't have a coach that's willing to do it, athletes, it's one of the greatest things you can do for your for your peers, for your team, is to get out, go serve, go read at the elementary school, go serve the middle school, yeah, whatever your contact is, but find an opportunity to serve. I mean, even we started in locally doing some stuff with the Salvation Army, and I am not a baseball player, but we've been, we have a family that wants to help teach the kids baseball, so we've been going out there and like underhand pitching these kids who are not good at baseball. Um, and letting them swing the bat and hit, the, and they are having a blast. And I mean, I and doing that, I know not many people will, but I just wish all of my athletes and the coach I'm around could be out there with me doing that because it is so much fun to be with these kids, develop the relationships with them. So, so yeah. But and and Zach, I love what you shared about just intentionally going with the the other guys who need some help because I just think about the things you've shared about your season and you know I know you lead a huddle on your team and then when you live that out by serving and then especially by going to spending time with those other guys I mean that just that just gets me really excited about what message you're coming across about who you are but but also who God is Amen. and and I love hearing that so I think that about wraps up our conversation for today. Thank you guys for listening. We hope you received out of this 
like I always say, please don't hesitate. Social media, we have our email in our description. Let us know what you think. Let us know ideas. If you do this, I know there are teams who do service days and things like this. Let us know. We'd love to hear it. And I'd love to be be encouraged and get new, new ideas about what you guys are doing. But yeah, be sure to follow us on that social media and we'll be able to keep up with you guys. You'll be able to keep up with us and we will see you here next week and next week's theme i think i'm excited to talk about is interdependence over independence so i think you'll want to tune in for that one later gators <laughs>